Let's jump into today's message. We're going to continue on with our Squad Goals series, uh, and this has been a good one so far, but today we're going to talk about Squad Goals for your kids, all right? So Psalms chapter 78, verse 2 through 7, I'm going to read and then we'll jump in. It says, I will teach you hidden lessons from our past, stories we have heard and known, stories our ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. For he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children so that the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born. And they in turn will teach their own children. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. This verse right here is simply saying, hey, we have a responsibility as parents to make sure that the next generation knows about Jesus, knows about the Lord, and understands how to live the life that he has for us. And so that's some that's going to be our context for this morning. I want to pray before we jump in. we got a lot of stuff to cover, so let's pray. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to gather together today. Lord, thank you for what you're doing in our hearts, what you're doing in our church. And Lord, we know that you're not finished. And so, Lord, we open our hearts to you now to hear your word, to hear this message, God. And I pray, God, that you will help me to be a good communicator, to represent you to your people. And so, Lord, I pray this message today is going to help us, Father, to raise up a generation. God, uh, uh, some kids that are going to become great men and women of God. We understand the responsibility, but, Lord, we need the help. So, Lord, speak to us today like only you can. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, let's recap uh, the first couple of weeks before we jump into today. Week one, we kicked off our squad goals series, talking about whose squad are you on. I think when we think of squad, we think about the people that are in our lives. But first and foremost, we need to figure out whose team am I on. And we said that it's so important for us to be a part of Jesus' squad, Team Jesus. Amen? That the most important squad that you can be a part of is to belong to Him. And we broke that down a little bit because there are some squad goals that we believe that Jesus has for you. And listen, we're just trying to put this in such a way that you understand how incredible He is and the fact that He really has a good plan for your life. Amen? And so we said this. We said that one of the squad goals that He has for us is that He chooses us. Now, this is huge because it's not just a one-time choice. He continues to choose you over and over and over. So like when you're not living up to standard, he still wants you. Meaning this, he wants to help you. And so God's not holding a stiff arm out to block you. What is he doing? He's opened his arms and he said, hey, I want you on my team. We can deal with your brokenness. We can deal with everything wrong and we can make it right. And so he chooses you over and over and over. Isn't that an awesome thought to know that he chooses you? He chooses us. But he doesn't just choose us. He saves us. Meaning this, that we have some things about us that have brought out our worst. But he saves us so that he can bring out our best. Amen? And that's not just a one-time process where we repent of our sins. Oh, God, I've sinned. Please forgive me. Give me eternal life in Jesus' name. Amen. It's a daily process because we all know this week we did something we shouldn't have done. Am I right? How many of y'all, you know this week you need Jesus to save you and forgive you of your sins? Come on, just raise your hand. If you ain't raising your hand, there it was. You need him again, okay? And so he saves us. He chooses you, but he also saves us. And that's an awesome thing to know, that he is, that means he's paying attention. 
That's what I mean. He's paying attention. And he loves us enough that he wants to save us. And then the last thing is, he makes us. Now, that doesn't mean he's twisting our arms saying, you better do this and say, uncle. You know, it's not all of that. It's he's helping us become who we're supposed to be. He told his disciples, if you follow me, I will make you fishers of men. In other words, I'm going to enable you. I'm going to train you. I'm going to equip you. I'm going to help you be who you're supposed to be. And that's an awesome thought to know that God wants us to be everything he's created us to be. He's not just saying be this and then leaves us alone. He says, hey, I have this plan for you. Let's work together. And as we work together, I will help you be everything I have planned for you to be. That's awesome to know. So that's his squad goals for us. Now, last week we dove into something I think is really, really, um, just really powerful to talk about. And that's marriage. Squad goals for our marriage. And Cynthia and I had a lot of fun. And there was so much we could have said. I mean, when you talk about marriage, there's a ton of things to cover. And so it's hard to really, you know, figure out what should I say, what shouldn't we say. But last week when we talked about marriage, some squad goals that we recommended is this. First thing, grow and show your love. Always grow your love and always show it, no matter what stage you're in. Amen? I find a lot of times we do all the loving and showing the love when we're dating, and we need to be doing it when we're married. Amen? Amen. So if you were doing it when you were dating, you need to do it when you're married. And some of the things you're doing when you were dating, you shouldn't have been doing. Anyway. All right. Grow and show your love. Here's another one. Make it a goal to go the distance together. Make it a goal to go the distance together. And if you remember last week, and if you want, you go back and listen to the podcast. We did talk about divorce because there's people who have had to walk through that. And we said this, we don't think that there's anybody that gets married signing up saying, hey, I'm getting married just so I can get divorced because it is one of the hardest things to go through. Am I right? It is so hard to go through. And our heart really goes out to everybody that's walked through divorce because we wish you never would have to go through that. But we want to say this, that there's still hope for you. Like, it's not over just because that's happened. We believe that God can help you find somebody that you can go the distance together with. But I think we got to make it a goal for our marriages that, hey, we're going to make it. We're going to go the distance no matter what. Amen? And I think that's a good goal. Another one we said was, in your marriage, do something for God. It's not just about how much money can we accumulate to live a good life and have a good house and raise good kids, but what is some purpose? And I believe when you bring purpose to your marriage relationship, it takes it to the next level, okay? Meaning this, this thing is bigger than us. The more this thing centers around you, the more problems you're going to have. Selfishness is what ruins good relationships, y'all. I mean, I know it's a tough thought, but it's really true. And so when we get selfish, it begins to work against God's plan. Because God is all about giving of yourself, self-denial, sacrifice. Those are the things that God really gave us the example of through Jesus. And so for us to be able to have a strong, healthy marriage, I think we got to think of something bigger than just us. And doing something for God brings purpose to that relationship. And there is nothing like accomplishing something for the Lord. I promise you, there is so much joy and fulfillment that comes from doing something for God. And so I want to encourage you, in your marriages, do something for God. And then another thing we said was, make sure you make it a goal that you're going to have fun in your marriage. Amen? Have fun. Look at your neighbor and say, we need to have fun. A lot of times we're not having fun because it's a grind. It's work. It's raising kids. It's taking them to this ballpark, going to this practice, go to this meeting, go to, and you're just running around. Don't forget to have fun. Some of y'all are like, what does that look like? I know, it's a lot. So today what we want to talk about is squad goals for your kids. Some of you, you don't have kids yet. 
And one day when you will, you, you'll be glad that you heard some of this stuff, okay? Squad goals for your kids. Now, let's say this. Let me set this up before we jump in. A couple things I learned about as a pastor. There's a couple areas that people don't like to be messed with. Number one is their money. Don't mess with me and my money, Pastor Wade. And number two, don't mess with me about my kids because I made both of them. I made the money and I made the kids, and I don't need you telling me what I need to do with it. And so today, this is not going to be a parenting seminar where we're going to teach you what kind of discipline tactics to use because I do not want to have a brawl break out in this room about what should be done and what should not be done because... We've all been disciplined in different ways, am I right? In fact, how many of you growing up, you were spanked? Your parents just whipped you, just tore your little butt up. You know what I'm saying? How many of you, it was the timeout family. You know what I'm saying? Do that again. You're going in timeout. Okay. How many of you, it was other methods? They're like, how many of you, it was all the above? <laughs> so there's so many different tactics. I don't even know what to call them. We've called them everything. And depending on how you were brought up, what your experiences were, you have a preference. And uh, a lot of times we bring these preferences into parenting to find that they don't always connect with the child that we have gave birth to. And so that's where we really start digging in and reading and asking other people for help. Hey, can I just throw this out before we go too far? Just because you ask somebody who's had success how to raise a kid doesn't mean that's going to work on your kids. I'm just going to say, because uh, everybody is different. Every kid is different. Every parent is different. And, and I, I, I think there's a lot of people that's got some ex- education. But I would always hesitate to say I'm an expert. I would. I would hesitate to say I'm an expert because until you raise the kid through every stage in life, you don't know what you're getting into yet, okay? And so, anyway, um, usually how we raise our kids, though, has been influenced by um, how we were brought up, whether that was some good stuff or some bad stuff. Those experiences have shaped our view and the ways that we think things ought to be done. Um, Then there's some things that we've seen and some things that we have learned, uh, things that we've saw other people do, um, maybe what we've read in a book, maybe a class that we have attended. And so there's all these different, I mean, come on, when you're raising a kid, you need all the help you can get, am I right? It's just like, come on, somebody help me out. And then we, it's almost like we take all this stuff, we put it in a big pot, and we stir it up, and it's like a big gumbo of all these different things that we think we need to do. And so then we start raising kids, and we're trying to serve them, and they're like, I don't like that. And we're like, I don't even like it either, but I don't know what else to do. And so we really wind up in some situations where we feel overwhelmed, and we feel stressed out, and uh, it, 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 it puts us in a place that we're, we're searching so much for what to do that we don't get to do anything in the moments that we have with our children. You ever felt that way before? Where I can tell you this, Cynthia and I, we've had many discussions through the years, slash arguments <laughs> through the years about what we were going to do with our children at different stages and different points because we, we're drawn off of our experiences and our education and the things that we learned. And there's just some points in time where your kid is the kind of kid you didn't know that they could be. And that could be fantastic, or that could be challenging, or you can say it however you want to say. But it puts you in the boat of, I I don't know what to do. Anybody ever been there before? I don't know what to do. Like, they say something to you, and you're just like, 
don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then, and then you laugh, not because it's funny, but it's like you're laughing at yourself. Like, what in the world have I done here? This kid, my mom told me. This is what we say. My mom told me there would be days like this. And she's over there rejoicing because it's like payback for all the craziness I've given her. So Cynthia and I have raised three kids. And, and we're at the point now, like with Elijah, our oldest, who is 17, we're entering that last stage of like childhood raising. You know, he's 17 and he's about to be 18 in a year and he'll be a man, you know, and do his own thing. And, uh, and Judah will turn 15 in a few weeks. And uh, so uh, watch out. Another driver will be on the road here soon. And that'll be fun and interesting all at the same time. And then there's Ella Pearl, who is 10 years old. And listen, nobody gave me the manual on little girls. I'm thinking like a few weeks in, and this little girl is crying. I'm trying to figure out emotions. I grew up around boys. I had three brothers. And then at first we had two boys. And so it's just been man central in my life. You know what I'm saying? And then Ella Pearl shows up. And I remember when she was three one time, she was crying, just crying. And I was like, baby, what is wrong? And she's like, I don't know. I'm like, why are you crying? I don't know. I'm like, what do you do with this? Like, <laughs> let me hug you. Is this working? No. Okay, and you let go. Hug me again. Okay, like, what are we doing here? It's like, how many of y'all know what I'm talking about? I mean, I just didn't know. And so, um, but we've been through several stages now with raising kids. And again, I'm claiming no expertise on any of this. But we've learned some things through the years that I think is applicable. What I thought would be interesting today would be, instead of just getting perspective on raising kids from a parent, I thought it would be interesting to bring some kids up here, my boys, and let them share from the perspective of being a kid. Come on. So I want to introduce my son Elijah and my son Judah. Come on up, boys. And they're going to talk to us a little bit about parenting today. And right now, all the kids in here are like, yes, we have a voice. <laughs> They're like holding up their fists and like represent. <laughs> the revolution begins. And so <laughs> anyway, let me grab this mic over here. And so I'm going to let them talk a little bit today. And so Judah is 15. He's a freshman at Childs High School. Elijah is 17. He's a junior. He's got a car. He's driving around. He's got a job. He's got a bank account. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is what's happening. Judah is on his way to all of those things. <laughs> uh, before we jump in, I want to say these, these boys are awesome. My kids are great, and I'm so proud of them and uh, just the men that they have become. And uh, we're not done yet, but they're awesome guys. <laughs> Why are you looking at me like that, dude? <laughs> um, but I want to say this. With all three of our children, we've had to discipline them in different ways. Because their personalities are different, their wills are all different. Like, Elijah is a rule follower, he's a traditionalist. Like, like if, if we bake cookies on a Saturday night watching a ball game, that's our new tradition. We got to do it every week. I'm serious. That's all. Oh, it's our tradition. Now we got to bake cookies every week. He's just a traditionalist. Judah, he's so outgoing. He's life of the party. Like he loves being around his friends. His friends, look, he's smiling. And his friends love to be around him. And so we, we got two different kind of guys here. I mean, we got Mr. Compliant. We got Mr. Challenger. And then Ella Pearl. <laughs> and then we got Ella Pearl, you know. And so it, for us as a parent, you know, you go in with this mindset, like, like I remember, like, well, I know I'm disciplining my kids. You know, you have that little prideful moment where you watch the kid melt down at Walmart, and you like, in the back of your mind, you're like, boy, if that was my kid, 
you know, I'm taking them in the dressing room. We're going to handle some business, you know. And, and then you have that kid, you know, and you're trying everything. And that ain't working. None of it's working. And so next thing you know, you're buying toys and bubble gum just to get them to quit making a scene. I mean, it's, it's a challenge because every kid is different. So what I thought we would do today is what the boys tell of a time that they had to have some parenting take place in their lives. And so Elijah's going to go first and tell you about this one time where we had to parent him. Yes. Uh, <laughs> thank you for having me on stage today, Dad. Okay, uh, son. This is fun. Uh, so I'd say about in middle school, uh, Grammy and Papa were in town, and she, was co- she, of course, was cooking something that night. She had to go to Walmart to pick up some groceries. And we ended up picking up the groceries, and we headed to the checkout line, and she said, you can get a Hershey bar. So I got the Hershey bar, and but, of course, she forgot something. So she has to go back to the groceries, and uh, so me and Judah are with her. So I decided to put the candy bar in my pocket, you know. So first off, that's the first bad mistake. <laughs> so uh, we're walking, and so we're coming back. And then I realized that the candy bar in my pocket, the, the wrapper had become loose. Yeah, right. And the, the wrapper had come open. And I was like, oh, my God, this is damaged property. What am I going to do? Uh, so to make things worse, <laughs> I, t- I said, Grammy, uh, Grammy, let me go to the restroom. I'll be right back. And I go to the restroom, and I continue to I eat the candy bar in the stall uh, so that I'll get rid of the damaged uh, merchandise. <laughs> And to make things even worse, to make me feel worse about myself, there's the sign on top of the toilet that says, uh, shoplifters will be prosecuted. (laughs) So I'm very anxious eating this candy bar. And uh, (laughs) so (laughs) I end up finishing it. We we leave. We get all the groceries. We come back. And I feel terrible. And so... I got to, like, you know, like, I got to tell dad, like, I feel really bad. So I, I tell dad, I was like, dad, uh, I ate the candy bar at Walmart, <laughs> but I didn't pay for it. <laughs> and dad's like, all right, we got to go fix it. So we head back to the Walmart, and, my, and dad goes to the register, and he said, can I speak to your manager? So we go to speak to the manager, and my dad's like, tell her what you did. So I'm like, <sighs> <laughs> and I t- Stu was shaking. I'm telling you, yeah. he had never been so nervous in all his life. So I told her, I told her what had happened, and she like tries to she tries to make me more scared. She goes, "Well, if you were an adult, we would have uh, taken you to the back. We would have gotten your mugshot, and you would have been uh, prosecuted, and we would have been interrogated. All that fun <laughs> stuff." And uh, so she like I'm like, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> and so then then she wants to pray for me. And so, like, this isn't, this isn't like dad praying. This is like, and Holy Ghost, I pray, God, that you uplift. And she's doing stuff like that. And uh, so I'm like, yes, yes. And uh, so she prays for me, and I knew then, there, and, uh, there and now that I'm never stealing anything again because that was one of the worst feelings that I've ever experienced ever. So, Yeah. Okay, so that's his experience. All right, now Judah is going to share one of his experiences. And, uh, yes, it is time. Yeah, so. All right. Um, as most of y'all know, um, I like hairstyles, obviously. Like, my hair looking good. You don't want to look bad, okay? 
You don't want to look bad. You want to look good. You want to look fresh. He gets that from his mama, by the way. <laughs> All of that. <laughs> I get a lot of things from mom. I mean, you smooth, Judah. You smooth. Yeah. And so, I and so, but in elementary school, I had pretty much a buzz cut. I had no hair, nothing, because I didn't want to brush it. I it, I thought it took too long. It wasn't about middle school. I was like, yeah, no, we got to change this. This isn't going to work. And it, it, I'd say about seventh grade, uh, I mean, I, as mom would probably say, I was working it. And <laughs> I mean, y'all seeing right here the difference, huh? And so, but at that time, I was struggling to pay attention with things because mom and dad were trying to show me some things that I needed to, like, focus on more and pay attention more. And I wasn't. It was a problem. <laughs> and, and so they're like, oh, we aren't getting your attention? We're going to find a way to do that. And they did exactly that. They're like, we're going to see all this hair? Gone. <laughs> like that. And they cut it all off. They made me cut it all off. And we can easily say that they immediately had my attention after that. <laughs> if you need a biblical reference for that, there was a guy named Samson. Anyway, <laughs> anyway back to this. <laughs> It's biblical. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. And basically, I've, I've always kept my attention on the important things. And, I mean, now we're back at this stage, and <laughs> nothing's ba nothing bad has happened so far. So we're doing good. Get that schoolboy haircut, huh? Okay, so this is what I thought would be cool, if they would give a little bit of advice representing the young people, the kids, the sons and daughters out there, kind of advice now this is dangerous because they got the mic they could say pretty we much represent any. okay what would you say to the parents out there being serious though what would you say to the parents out there just some good advice from a kid that you would give them? um get to know your kids more so that way you know what works for them and what you can do to help them out with important things and what they need to focus on more solid that's a good representation of the young people am i right yeah. all right e what would you say uh, I'd say to the parents, help your kids do the right thing and don't do it for them. Uh, so. All right, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. All right, boys, thank you all for helping out. Come on, let's give them a hand. So the reason I wanted to do that, number one, um, sometimes there's assumptions that you know, when people have good kids, that there's nothing that's ever gone wrong. And we've had, we've had to grow. We've had to learn together with the kids. I mean, there, there were, like when Elijah told me that that night, I was really nervous for him. Because, I mean, he's in middle school at this point. I don't know what they're going to do. So we're going back to pay for it. Like, <laughs> I don't want my kid going to jail. You know, I don't know what they're going to do. And thankfully, that's how it turned out. And then, you know, with Judah... I, I tell you this, Judah's the life of a party, man. I mean, his motto is always be ready to have fun. I mean, and that's awesome to be around, but but there are times where it's just like all over the place, and we got to rein him in. And, and and with both boys, it's different because with Elijah, it's usually just say something to him, and it's done. With Judah, it's a little bit more work. It's a little bit more involvement, and, and that could be challenging because if we go into this thinking with multiple children, we just do it all the same. We wind up getting ourselves in a trap because what we're doing is we're limiting the relationship that we have with that child. And so this is something I want to say I think is huge. 
no discipline, no matter what the technique is, is going to be effective unless you have a relationship with your child. We've got to have a relationship with our children. If not, our discipline turns into punishment. This is so key. Because a lot of times, from a parental standpoint, it's, it's coming from the perspective of, I don't want you to embarrass us. I don't want you to be that kid. You know what I'm saying? And, like, it's more image-driven than it is helping my kid be who they're supposed to be. And because of that, we're letting pride be the forefront of raising our children instead of humility. And pride comes before destruction. Like, this is important because I think we've been in situations before where it was more about how you appeared as a family than who you really were. Did you hear what I said? Like, that's huge. It's more about how you appear, which is all Facebook, Instagram, put a filter on it, and we look good in the picture. But, like, we are fighting like hell in the car on the way to taking this picture. And what we've got to do is have good relationships and work on these relationships. And listen, every stage that your child goes through, you have to reconnect. Because, I, like, I, I can tell I remember when the boys were, were, were transitioning and becoming young men. That's a hormonal stage. I'm serious. And not all of it was their behavior. A lot of it was their hormones. And we don't give a lot of grace for that, but yet whenever adults get older and start going through another hormonal stage in their life, and it's hot everywhere, and they're having mood swings, we want everybody to bow down to it. I mean, I, I'm bringing that up because it happens. It's a stage of life. And if we're not careful, we identify our kid by just a stage instead of seeing who they really are throughout their whole life. Amen? That's just good preaching. Y'all need to hear that, okay? And so, look, we want to love them. We want to take care of them. And we want to help them to be who God wants them to be. And I feel like if all we ever do is address problems and never build them, we won't be the ones that are leading them. Like as parents, if all we do is become really good at pointing out their flaws, but never helping them to become great men and women, and like helping them identify their strengths and their abilities and these little quirks that may drive us crazy, like strong-willed that we're trying to drive out of them, don't drive it out. Get it on track. Because one day, whenever they're running a company, they're going to need to be strong-willed. That little negotiator, like, that's how I feel Judah is, man. He wants to negotiate his way. And at times, it challenges me. It really does. But I don't want to take it away from him because one day when he's in sales, he's going to be making some huge commissions. And I don't want to take that away from him. Like, those are the thoughts that I have. And so I would just say that there are some, some quirks about our kids that if we're not careful, we'll try to remove from them that really we need to capitalize and just help get it on track. And it's going to take a lot of patience on our part. Amen? I know. It's going to take a lot of patience. And it might even take some people looking at you weird in the restaurant or in the store. Like, what are you doing? And they're like, you don't understand. I'm helping my kid to be the next CEO. <laughs> just trust me, you just get a glimpse. I know my kid. So I think we got to get out of this whole mindset of just punishing bad behavior and begin to train some good behavior. Set them up for success. And, and, and listen, when they get off, let's correct them and help them to do the right thing. Why? Because ultimately we love them. Okay? So let me say this. Parenting isn't just about discipline tactics. Okay, so whatever method you use, you use, be wise about it, get to know your kid, get some input, be wise about it, okay? But it's not just about discipline tactics, it's about helping your kid be who God wants them to be. 
Like that's, that's the task that we have on our shoulders as parents. Who did God create my child to be? And am I putting them in a position to become that? Am I helping them to develop the character that's going to sustain that, okay? So let's jump in. I got some, 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 a game plan for you today. All right, and this is something that Cynthia and I learned years ago that we used, and it, it's, it's helped us through the different stages of our kids, and I think it'll help you as well, okay? So here's a parenting game plan, all right? This isn't necessarily, should I whip my kids? Should I put them in timeout? Should I have a good talk with them? Should I, this isn't what this is, okay? This is vision. These are goals for, for, for just a good game plan, all right? Here's the first one. From 0 to 12 years, and this is broad for time's sake, okay? For 0 to 12 years, you as a parent, you're in the caretaker cop mode, okay? That means I'm doing all the things to take care of them, but I'm also on patrol. They're watching Paw Patrol, but i got to watch them too because in one split second, they wind up doing stuff that I didn't know you could do in a split second. Am I right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Leave a 4-year-old in the room by themselves, come back in two seconds, and the whole place is like a different place. How do they do that? I don't know. But they have the capability of doing that. And so a lot of times our role, we're caretaking and we're copping. I mean, we are checking them out. So here's the question. Though. During that stage, what is my goal? Like, what am I trying to accomplish with my kids from 0 to 12? Again, this is broad. And if we had time, we'd break it down and go deeper. But from 0 to 12, what we're trying to do is help them to develop some convictions. Okay? Meaning this. We want to teach them right from wrong. Can we go ahead and pop that up on the screen? I want the visual there as well as me saying it, okay? We want to teach them the right from wrong. So here's the thing. At some point, that child is going to grow up, and they're not always going to be around us. And the things that we're teaching them when we are around them is going to influence how they are when, they, when we're not around them. So we have the responsibility to teach them right from wrong. I think the first step in that is introducing them to Jesus. Amen? Because he is the standard of doing it right, living right. And listen, I wish that we as parents were that standard, but hey, we've done a lot wrong. So it's hard for us to be the complete picture for them. They need to know Jesus. And so as parents, we have the responsibility to introduce them to Jesus. Don't just pray for them. Pray with them. Amen? Bring them to church. Help them to read the Bible. Like, sit down with them. You say, I need a good resource for that. If you go on our website, click on Emerge Kids, scroll to the bottom. Parent Q is an app. You can go on Parent Q, and it gives you Bible stories with all kinds of lessons, setting you up for success. And so there's resources out there that can help you with it. I think that we have a responsibility of introducing them to Jesus. That's going to set the course for them knowing right from wrong because it's not just lessons that they learn, but it's this internal conviction that comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? If we can help them know Jesus, it's going to help them go a long way. In this stage, we're training them. What are we working on? Character. Working on who they're becoming. Their manners. Like teaching them how to be with other people. People skills. Like think about one of the first things that you work on with your kid is teaching them how to share. <laughs> what do they start saying? Mine, 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 mine. No, we're going to share that. It's mine. No, it's not. It belongs to the school. It's mine. And you go through that little dance, you know, for a little while. What are we trying to do? Teach them to share because they have to understand that it's not all for you. And that's a challenge, and it's a process, and if you're in that challenge right now, don't give up, okay? It's, it's going to change. You're going to get through it, but right now, what are you doing? I'm trying to teach them right from wrong. I'm trying to help them to develop some character. It's going to stretch you, but you're trying to stretch them 
as well. I think this is also a stage where we're teaching them how to take care of themselves. Teaching them about how to take care of some responsibilities. Like we teach them how to brush their teeth. We teach them how to clean up their room. What are we doing? We're rolling some responsibilities on them because, hey, this is for the rest of your life. And mommy and daddy can't do it for you forever. Am I right? And, and you say, well, you got 12 years old and you're still talking about brushing teeth. Yes, for real. Because some kids run out the house and I mean, that breath is bad. Brush your teeth. We're still, I mean, you got to work on it, okay? And so I think this stage, it's a lot of discipline. It's a lot of correcting some right and wrong things. Like when they do wrong, correct them, but also help them to see why. Now, I want to say this. In this stage, we tend to give kids a lot of options. We have chosen not to give our kids a lot of options in this stage. We take options from them. It is a lot more convenient that way. Is it a lot more fighting? Yes. But what are we trying to do? We're trying to shape their will so that they make good decisions. Because in the next stage we get to, they now have the burden of making the call. And if we don't train them to make good decisions in this stage, we're going to struggle big time. In the next stage, which, by the way, the next stage, which is already up there, 13 to 17 years old, which is the coaching stage. If we're not careful, we start pulling options from them and making decisions. No, you're going to do what I said. You know what we're doing? We're shutting down their ability to process and make good decisions because we're doing it all for them. And at that stage, they need to be able to make the call. The responsibility needs to be rolled on them. I know it would be a lot easier just to tell them what to do. But between 13 and 17, they have to own their decisions. Like, I'll, I'll tell you one that was a challenge for us in middle school was class scheduling. <laughs> class scheduling. And my boy's mother, Cynthia, my wife, was so adamant about making sure that they began taking high school courses in middle school. And, you know, a lot of times students, they don't want to take high school courses. They want the easy classes so that they don't have to study as much. And so we really, really had to use tactics to influence their decisions to do that. Now they're on the other side, and they're so thankful that their mother, and a little bit of me, <laughs> really was influential in that stage in their life. But they have got to come to the point of owning some big life decisions at that stage and rolling the responsibility on them. Because how many of you know that decisions determine your future? And at that stage, 13 to 17, they're beginning to make decisions on their own. So here's the goal of that next stage, okay, where we're coaching. It's confidence. I want to help my child to develop some confidence. First stage is convictions, but now I'm working on their confidence because I want them to have the confidence to make good decisions. I want my child to be confident enough to walk away from a situation that is not good and not stay because they're scared of what everybody is going to think. Am I right? Like if they're at a party and some things go down, I need them to be confident enough to get on the phone and say, come get me. This isn't a good place for me to be. And I'm there. I'm not mad at you because you were there. I'm glad because you made the right decision to leave when some things were going on that didn't need to go on. Are, are you grabbing this? But if I don't work good in that first stage and maintain a relationship with them, I'm not going to be effective in the coaching stage. And this is the stage where a lot of parenting breaks down because this is where we try to tighten up everything on our kids. One of the biggest challenges with teenagers I've found is trusting them. It's hard. I want to trust you, but you, I don't know if you know how to do life well enough for me to trust you completely with this because we're so afraid they're going to do something wrong. And this is what we've learned. 
they're probably going to do something wrong. And we can't melt down as a parent. We, get, we, we lose our mind about kids melting down. What about when parents melt down? We can't melt down when our kids do wrong. We've got to help them out because they're trying to figure this thing out. I don't need them trying to figure this out when they go to college. I need them figuring this out while they're at the house. And so we want to roll decisions. And I'll tell you what Cynthia and I did, and you do whatever you want. We chose to trust them up front. We chose to trust them. Like the cell phone thing, we chose to trust them, and they got a cell phone at 12. I know some of you are like, oh, I wouldn't do that. I understand. But we knew our kids, and so at 12, we chose to trust them completely. When they made the bad decision with it, because it has happened, we had to take it from them and walk through that process all over again. Because here's the reality. This is a part of our lives. And I've got to help them learn to do it. I can't just ban them from it. I've got to help them learn to use it. Are y'all, are, y'all, are y'all catching the whole spirit behind this? And so at that stage in their life, we're trying to help coach them to do the right thing. But I have to roll the responsibility on them. When they're wrong, they have to own it. They have to. And it's not mom and dad's job to clean it up. And I love what Elijah said. Help them do the right thing. All I did was brought them to Walmart Gave him the process. We're going to talk to the manager. You got to tell her what to do. I couldn't do it when we got there. He had to do it. And I'll tell you, that was one of the best moments for us. I mean, we were tight that day because I was the bailout man for him. You know, I was like, Dad, you're awesome because you didn't go to jail. You know, But he owned it. I walked him through it. We came out on the other side, and he learned a big-time lesson. That's what parenting is. It's not just punishing kids, but it's helping them to grow through these whole episodes. And like you look at Judah today, I mean, he loves the hair, man. I mean, he loves it. We're not banning him from it, but at that point in time, it became such a source of identity for him. And it was like a, an, an image thing. And so we really had to work through that. And, and it's really changed some things for him because his perspective was formed through that process. Listen, I'll say this. This stage is a lot of patience, y'all. A lot of patience. Pray. Ask God for help, all right? Let me keep going. You can listen to the podcast. We'll have all this stuff back on there. The next stage, 18 plus, is consultant. I'm a consultant now. And all the 18-year-olds are like, yeah, leave me alone. Okay, so what's my goal in this stage? 18 plus, I'm a consultant now. Notice the progression. At one time, I was caretaker and cop. Then I became a coach, and now I'm a consultant. That means I'm not needed unless asked. Let me give you a code for that. Stay out of their business. And if you're still in their business, it's probably because you didn't handle business early on. Okay? You got to let them take on what's next in their life. And that's why I say the goal at this stage is courage. I want to help them have the courage to take the next step. If it's going to college if it's going into the workforce, if it's going into the military, whatever it is, I want to help them to have the courage to take the next step. If they say, hey, Dad, I've been working at this job for some time, save some money, I want to buy a car, I want to help them to do it. I'm not writing the check for them, okay? I'm helping them to make the decision. If they say, do you think I should do it? That's where I get the opportunity to have my input. But this isn't me telling them yes and no. This is me, hey, have you thought of this? Have you thought of that? But then stepping back and letting them make their decision. 
And some of you are having healing in your life right now, me sharing this, because your parents were like all over you at this stage, threatening to take your money, take your car and all this stuff. I think if we parent right, we can trust our kids. We can set them up. When they reach this stage, they go for it. They go for it. And this is what I think about. I think about the plans that God has for our kids. And I don't want them to be so scared to take a step of faith that they won't go after what God has for them. And I think, listen, I know that we want to parent our kids. We want to hold on to them forever. But look, let's set them up to go and be what God wants them to be. And I think if we set them up for that, we will always have them. I do. I think we will always have them. And so these are just some things that we've learned through the years. I think being a good listener is huge for a parent. I have a lot to say, but I've learned i got to listen and let my kids talk. And if you really listen, you'll hear what they're trying to say. They won't always tell you directly. They will tell you some things indirectly. And I want to go back to one stage, the coaching stage. The one thing that helped me as a dad during that stage was Friday mornings taking my boys to breakfast. I'm serious, man. You can ask my boys. They love those breakfasts. we get together, and it was either sports or we would talk about something going on in their life. And they were just naturally opening up. And it wasn't the intent to try to get them to open up. It was just spending time with my boys. And in the course of spending time with them, they just start telling you what's going on in their life. I wasn't pushing it. I wasn't prodding. I was just hanging out with them saying, hey, you want breakfast? And I don't know a dude yet that's willing to turn down breakfast before school on Friday morning. They wake up early for food especially if dad's buying. And so these are some things that we have learned. We're still learning, though. I'll tell you, we're still growing. Ella Pearl is a new experience for us. Being a 10-year-old little girl, we're about to navigate some life changes, enter into a new stage with her. And so I don't have (laughs) enough experience yet to give you all everything. And so uh, we're working through it. But, I mean, we have awesome kids, man, and I thank God for it. And and I, I think a lot of it, though, has to do with a relationship with Jesus and a relationship with our kids. And I cannot stress that enough. A relationship with God and a relationship with your kids is going to take you so far when it comes to raising good and godly kids. And so I'm going to finish with this today. I want to give you the reality picture that God has given us these children to raise them, to teach them, to set them up to be a generation that is effective, that fulfills His purposes. And, and, and all the things that we want to do, all the memories we want to build, and all the different things that we want to have a part of our lives, let's not miss the main point of what God has put us in that child's life for. Let's love them like Jesus does. Let's set them up to be men of God, women of God, so that one day when they're leading their families, there's such a solid foundation that we have given them that they are successful. Amen? That whenever they step into their workplace and they didn't need mom to come on the job interview with them because we helped them to have some confidence. Amen. They were confident enough to do it. They get the job and they're successful there. And they have character that sustains them. And they have a work ethic that promotes them. Like those are the things that I believe that we can instill in our children. Listen, have fun. But don't forget while you're having fun to instill all these things. Make memories. Please do. But while you're making the memories, don't forget to instill some godly convictions. Don't forget to be a good coach for your kids. And I'm not just talking about on the field. Amen? Let's coach some good behavior. Let's coach some good decisions so that when they're in middle school and they begin to get introduced to a whole new world of stuff 
and there are conversations going on and new opportunities to get in the trouble, they say, that's not, I don't even know what that is, but I know that's not for me. And they're able to walk away from it. Amen? Wouldn't that be awesome? That they have some godly convictions that hold them, that when they're sitting in a movie and it's inappropriate, they have the confidence to be able to get up and walk out and say, that's not something I need to be watching. That's the kind of stuff that I'm talking about. And I believe that we can instill that in our parents. Listen, you're not going to be perfect. You're not. Don't feel the need to be perfect. But when you're not perfect, let them know, hey, I'm sorry. I messed up today. Will you forgive me? That will go so far with you and your kids when you can say, I'm sorry. And this is how I know that. There's so many of you in here. You're waiting on a parent to come to you and say, I'm sorry. You've been waiting for it for a long time, and you wish they would do it. These little things are so important with raising kids. Let's take on this responsibility. Raise some awesome young people, amen. Help them be men and women of God that are going to be, you can clap for that. I saw you. You can clap for that. Help them be some awesome men and women of God, amen. I want all the parents to stand in here. Even if you're one of those parents that fill the gap in a child's life, I want to pray for you too. Come on, if you're filling a gap in a, in a child's life, you're playing a parental, a parental role. We want to pray for you. Amen? Father, I lift up every parent in this room. Lord, we were blessed by these children that you have given us, but we have also been stretched. They have helped us become human beings we didn't know we could be. We didn't know we can love like that. We also did not know that we can get that angry. But Father, you blessed us. You called us to be a good steward of these children. And Father, our prayer today is that you would help us to raise some young men and some young women that love you, some young men and women that have some convictions, some values, that know how to do the right thing. And Lord, I just pray that you would give us wisdom as parents, that you would help us to connect with our with our child. I pray for every relationship in here, parent-son, parent-daughter relationship that may be strained right now. I pray, God, for redemption and restoration in those relationships. I pray that every wall of pride would be torn down and a humility, God, would enter the relationship so that healing can take place. Father, turn the hearts of children to their fathers and fathers to their children. Restore homes, restore relationships. Help us to build solid relationships with our kids and speak truths into their life. And Father, each of these stages we talked about, Lord, we pray for your grace. Lord, I, I, I just pray that during those times we won't be overwhelmed. But Father, we will look to you, turn to you for wisdom. We pray for good examples around us that can help us with raising our kids. But Father, today, this, this is what we say. We give you our children. We give them to you. Trust in God that when they're in your hands, God, they're in a better place than anywhere else they can be. Lord, help our kids to grow up to be great men and women of God. Protect their hearts. Protect their minds. Help them to develop. Help them to be everything you planned for them to be. And use us as parents in the process. In Jesus' name.